Solomon Kinley in the backfield. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. And Tua throwing the other way to a wide open Durham Smythe for the touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show. Diagnosis. Shotgun. Murray. Prognosis. Out of the pocket. Seven seconds. Osmos. Six seconds. Murray. Hour number two, glad to have you with us here on this Monday, recapping a wild night in Atlanta. The Astros get the job done over the Braves in this series, going back to Houston for game six and seven. I can tell you, (laughs) it is going to be wild, great atmosphere there at Minute Maid Park in Houston. Appreciate Chris Bosio for joining us last hour. That interview will be up on the website a little bit later today. Check it out. As we talk about games six and seven and what the Houston Astros need to do and what the Braves need to do to close this thing out. Looking forward to it. Great time of year. Here we are, first of November, and we don't have a Major League Baseball World Series champion yet, huh? Is this season a little bit long? But how can you complain? You got to love it right now. You got to love it. All right. Uh, plenty of football to talk about as well, too. You know, the Raiders, they had a bye week. So no action there for the Raiders, but uh, they are back in action this week, uh, back at practice at their facility in Henderson uh, today, and uh, they get ready to go to New Jersey to take on the New York slash New Jersey Giants uh, this week, and the Giants in action tonight against the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow, Chiefs, nine-and-a-half point favorite. Will they get the job done? Will they finally snap out of this funk? All right, we will preview that action uh, with our good friend, Marco D'Angelo. And we talk about uh, the dogs barking very, very loud over the weekend. What's happening, Marco? A crazy week. Uh, you got the, Could you possibly have the Jets and the Giants win in the same week? I don't know. If that, that hasn't happened too often in recent memory. Marco, don't jinx it for me, my man, because I need the Kansas City Chiefs on, on my little teaser-pleaser action tonight, okay? So don't, I, I don't want to hear anything about the New York slash New Jersey Jets and Giants, uh, even though I laid off of that Jets game. I actually thought, I, I was trying to make a, a case for that game, but I said, why mess with this? You know, I, Mike White, I mean, are you kidding me? Nah, I can't play the Jets. And I'm going Joe Burrow, Cincinnati coming off that big emotional win last week against Baltimore. Yeah, nah, I, I just I, I left it alone. So actually, I, I didn't mind that outcome of that game because I left it alone. But tonight, I got action, Marco. I need those Giants to <laughs> succumb tonight big time. Well, I'm the reverse. I, I don't have action in tonight's game officially. Uh, I did enjoy the Jet game uh, yesterday. Uh, you know, one of the shows that you know we do at Wager Talk, I have a segment where I call my sandwich game of the week, and it was the New York Jets yesterday because Cincinnati was coming off that big win over Baltimore the week before, and they got Cleveland up this week. I felt they were going to come in there, read their press clippings, and just feel that they had to show up and they would win the game. And, well, they played the game that way, and uh, the Jets got the not only the cover but the win. I thought the Jets would get the cover. I didn't think they would win the game outright. But uh, it, was a fun, it was a fun day. And the one thing, that, the biggest takeaway from yesterday, uh, TC, and something for your listeners moving forward, and this is something that's been gold in the NFL for years and years. I mean, I've been doing this for four decades. Uh, I like to refer to it as the injured player theory. You you lose a star player, and generally we're talking the quarterback, and those teams, whatever reason why, you get the inflated points, you get the rest of the team trying uh, to compensate for the loss, whatever it is, those teams find a way to get the job done. We saw uh, Seattle cover against Pittsburgh the first week. Russell Wilson was out. Yesterday, the Jets lose uh, Zach Wilson, and that was just crazy with that line move. The look-ahead line on that game was three-and-a-half, and then you've got Cincinnati uh, closing uh, you know, 11-and-a-half yesterday. Are you telling me that a rookie quarterback in the NFL was really worth eight points difference in a line? That was ridiculous. And then last night, 
Dak's out, and Cooper Rush has, you know, the game of his life uh, and leads them to victory. So uh, don't overreact to injuries. That's that's my biggest takeaway from yesterday. No, and uh, right, rightfully so after what we saw. Mike White, winner. Cooper Rush, winner with Dallas and Jets. And like you said, traditionally, handicappers or most handicappers will just use that as go against. And when I was looking at that line last night for Sunday Night Football, I, I saw that you know the, the Vikings line basically only went up like a, a point. Uh, I think it closed like a four, four and a half uh, after that you know, news came out that we, we knew that Prescott, there was a good possibility that he might not play, but he did warm up and it sounded like he looked actually pretty good. But then they made the announcement and that line only moved a, a point, Marco. And it sounds like it only moved a point, uh, and especially in the direction for a home team as well, too. It it only moved a point uh, because of what you're saying there. You know, people, hey, maybe we shouldn't overreact. And then again, maybe the Kirk Cousins factor uh, came into play as well, too, and his uh, lack of commanding an offense, and especially in prime time. I don't know what it is with this guy, but he was horrendous after the first drive. First drive, beautiful. Boom, 7 nothing. after that. He was the Kirk Cousins that we know. Yeah, how do you like me now, as he said that, <laughs> that, that infamous uh, one. Yeah. yeah, the with that line move, uh, TC, though, one of the things about that is we did see the line move on Friday some when there, when there started to be some speculation. Uh, we did see the line go uh, to Minnesota to uh, two and a half. So I think some people tried to get in front of it, uh, thinking the Dak might not play, and then when it was completely 100% finished, uh, you know, announced it went the final distance of that point point and a half uh, difference but uh, hey give uh, Dallas uh, credit uh, they got the job done in as many jokes as we made about uh, coach McCarthy and I still uh, I'm not a big fan of Mike McCarthy but uh, he's got the Cowboys rolling right now He's a Pittsburgh guy, Marco. I mean, you're a Pittsburgh guy. He's a Pittsburgh guy, born and raised. Come on, you can't be giving uh, Mike a bad time. Uh, Yes, I can. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Mike's from Pittsburgh, how about Mike Tomlin yesterday getting his uh, field goal kicker crucified on the fake uh, field goal, which, first of all, I didn't understand doing the fake field goal at the end, you know, late in the half in a 3-3 ball game. Points have been at a premium to that point, and you got a chance to take the lead on on the road with a gimme field goal. Why are you running a fake uh, field goal? And then he gets his field goal kicker hurt, and they can't they can't make a kick the rest of the game. They're they're going for two point conversions. Yep. They're bypassing short field goals. To, they have to score because they have the punter. You know they tried a couple warm up kicks and stuff, and it wasn't working. It, it was horrendous. So uh, that was not fun watching the uh, Cleveland uh, Pittsburgh game yesterday. But somehow they found a way to win the game, and thank. God for Mike Tomlin that they did because but that would have been a real interesting press conference today if they would have lost by three or less. And here's what I don't understand, Marco, as this thing is unfolding, why? I mean, there is zero rhyme or reason going for two when he did and in the fake field goal, like you talk about, none whatsoever. Like, points are at a premium. Like you said, I mean, you knew from the opening kickoff, the first couple series, this thing was going to be a low-scoring game. It made no sense at all. And you got one of the best field goal kickers in the game in Boswell. I mean, it was ludicrous. It was like you were just inviting Cleveland to hang around in this game. Yeah, well, for his defense, that when they went for two, that was after the injury to Bosworth, so he had no right, choice okay, there. They, okay. could, they couldn't, they couldn't kick that one. But uh, and they had a penalty on that too, and they still went for two. They got pushed back five yards uh, and still went for the right. two point conversion because they just, they had zero confidence in the punter being able to get it up through the uh, uprights. But uh, what about the catch on the fourth down for the the winning touchdown uh, again? You know, they were inside the 10-yard line and couldn't kick the field goal to win it by one. They had to go for the touchdown, and they got it. The guy was able to tap the second toe down, and that was a devastating loss for Cleveland. Uh, you know, you've, you've got Pittsburgh in a situation like that, and I realize Cleveland, uh, you know, they've had a ton of injuries, but this was supposed to be the Browns' year. I, I mean, everybody handed them the division uh, this year, uh, and nobody thought since he would play as good as they have thus far far except yesterday of course uh and here's uh, the cleveland browns now in sole possession of last place in the afc 
North. Who would have thunk that after uh, eight weeks of the season? And the thing about it with the Browns is, I mean, they've stockpiled some pretty good talent, whether it's via the draft or free agency, but the guys are not delivering. And, you know, Miles Garrett, I mean, he, he had a nice game, but it's just he's not that dominant guy that he should be. And then offensively, I mean, what we're seeing with, with, uh, with Landry and then Odell Beckham, it just doesn't seem like you know, you know, Mayfield is using those guys. And I understand the running backs are fantastic and they've been banged up, but this Cleveland team just continues to underperform. And, yeah, you can use the injuries as an excuse here, but the, the, the guys that are healthy aren't delivering either. No. Beckham has been probably the biggest bust for Cleveland. I mean, the money they spent to go out and get him, he has not lived up to it. And when he's not a threat, it makes it tougher for Landry. You know, it, it, which guy are you going to double-team? Well, right now, honestly, I'm double-teaming Landry. He's the better of the two prospects. Beckham just doesn't make the big plays anymore. And for Baker, you know, he gets a bad rap. When the running game's working, Baker Mayfield's, you know, an above-average quarterback. But the problem is when they've got the injuries and the running game is spotty at best, he, that's when he struggles. And, you know, we say that about any quarterback in the NFL. You take an average quarterback and give him a good running game, he's going to be a good quarterback. You take a good quarterback, and he'll become a great quarterback with a running game. So uh, they've got to get the running backs healthy and get that offensive line uh, patched up, and you know Cleveland will make some noise. And what it's going to do is, and that's the thing that you've got to understand and know what you're looking at with injuries and stuff, is the public's going to react to what they see now, and they're going to draw conclusions, and it's going to sway the lines on games with overreaction. And then when some of these guys come back into the, uh, you know, from the injury list, especially when it's guys that are not marquee names that people know, you know, offensive linemen and such, those are whenever you can take advantage and find line value because the public's not reacting to the lesser names. But to me, the offensive line is the most underrated uh, player position on a football team. But that's what makes the offense go. Marco D'Angelo joins us from Wager Talk. You can always get Marco's picks at wagertalk.com and also part of our Best Bet segment here each and every Friday as well. Dogs 8-5 and five yesterday, uh, Marco. Seven outright winners. We talked about Pittsburgh, the Jets, Tennessee, live dog, even though they're only getting uh, two and a half points. Uh, they hang on, and you know, basically, I guess you have to thank Carson Wentz for for blowing up. I mean, any anybody that's uh, dropping back in his end zone and just uh, you know trying to pitch a ball in, into a, a a linebacker's hands that's that's beyond me. And then he uh, gives the game away after they get it to overtime with a miraculous comeback there in the final minute. Uh, then he gives gives that game away too. So uh, the Tennessee Titans now they lose Derrick Henry. He's going to have foot surgery tomorrow. A crushing blow for the Titans as the NFL's leading ground gainer is now on the shelf for quite some time. Yeah, and for you know Tennessee, although that was a dog, and generally whenever we talk about uh, you know dogs, you know winning outright, uh, you know the books are going to be happy. They were extremely happy with the outcome of that game because I don't know any sharp, including myself, that wasn't on the Indianapolis Colts yesterday. Uh, I mean, it was an absolute must-win game for them playing at home, and you had Tennessee coming off those back-to-back games against Buffalo and KC. And now that Tennessee, you know, had the game basically gifted to them, just when you thought Carson Wentz turned the corner, he does, you know, what you said he did, uh, you know, and gives the game away. That division, even though they lost Derrick Henry, that division's done. They've already won that division because they have a three-game lead. In essence, it's a four-game lead with the tiebreaker because they already beat uh, Indianapolis twice. So, you know, they can cruise to the, you know, the playoffs and then see what they can do and uh, if they can get Derrick Henry back before the end of the season or not. Uh, you know, we'll see about that. But, you know, give them credit. But the books... They've had a couple bad weeks, uh, you know, TC. I know, you know, we were, you know, worried we might have had to start a GoFundMe account for the books the way, <laughs> you know, they, they, if you listen to them on Twitter the last couple right. of weeks. But uh, all those dogs barking yesterday, I, I think it came out okay for the books this week. Uh, and, you know, some of the, the suspects, though, that did it are the usual culprits. Sean Payton. 
is a home underdog. It doesn't, you know, we speculated, okay, this will be the first time in forever he'll be a home underdog without Drew Brees. Can he get it done with Jameis Winston? Well, he lost Jameis Winston too, and he got it done with Trevor Simeon, who's been a you know a retread from Denver. Um, that was a big win for the you know the Saints yesterday, and you know and a bad loss for Tampa Bay. We talked about it on your show Friday. Uh, as good as the Bucks have looked with Tom Brady at times this year. They're now 0-4 against the spread on the road. Yeah. Well, you know, that was my best bet with the Saints. And I, talk about having your, your stomach turn. The, you know, and again, I'm not a big Jameis Winston fan, but just I had bought into this situation. I thought it would yep. be good, and we talked about it on Friday. And the moment he went out, I was just saying, I, that, that's it. I'm going to be done here. And then I'm just like, okay, how much can you play possession by possession and play the clock here and just really rely on the Saints' defense? And that's exactly what happened. And then, you know, Simeon looked awful. I mean, right when he came in, but then all of a sudden he he put something nice together there in the middle two quarters. Then the fourth quarter was like, okay, now he's going back to the Trevor Simeon that, that first came in the league uh, out of Northwestern, drafted by the Broncos. I'm going, no, this is going to be a nightmare, and here comes Tom, terrific. But again, Marco, it was about the defense, and when I was handicapping that game last week, for me, it wasn't about the offense. It was about the defense, and man, they stood up big time yesterday. They did. The defense definitely was, uh, you know, the deciding factor in that game. But I'll admit with you, I was the same way. You had to love the little sidebar, you know, with uh, Jameis Winston having the opportunity to play against yep. the team that, you know, gave up on him. And, you know, that's an angle that, you know, I like. I refer to it as, you know, bite the hand that fed you. You know, you, know, you thought I was great, then you thought I wasn't, and you let me go, and uh, now I got a chance to stick it to you. But, uh, hey, they got – they got the job done and uh, makes it interesting uh, for the rest of the season uh, with the Saints and see see what happened. You know, normally it would have been Taysom Hill coming in there uh, at that spot with uh, Jameis down, but they already lost him a couple weeks earlier. So uh, credit to Sean Payton. I think he's you know we all know he's he's a, a good coach. There's no question about that. But I I think sometimes people really doesn't don't give him the credit that he deserves. He's done a fantastic job at New Orleans all these years from a consistency basis. No doubt. Another one of those dogs that uh, got there yesterday in L.A. was the New England Patriots traveling cross-country. And we knew that the Patriots were going to have uh, a lot of fans there yesterday. And, you know, just flipping back and forth this game. I mean, I'm just I'm hearing the crowd. I'm saying, OK, that, that makes a little sense. But here's what I was really shocked at, Marco, was Justin Herbert again to horrible performances we saw him go on the road to baltimore and just get shellacked and like it was a confidence wrecker dude this was a carryover i did not and i understand the patriots defense and it's kind of like what i was talking about with the saints i mean betting that game because of the saints i was a little bit worried about anytime i face a belichick defense he's going to have something for these young quarterbacks but i just thought that that herbert had a mulligan last week against Baltimore. That's not the case. And now I'm wondering about this guy because if, if you looked at his demeanor on the sideline, I mean, he was shake, rattled, roll. It was uh, uh, atrocious. And Mac Jones looked to be the better quarterback yesterday. And definitely the Patriots looked much better on defense than uh, than the Chargers. Yeah, and this was one of those games that generally the books are happy when an underdog wins outright because it kills, you know, teasers, kills parlays and everything. This is not one that they were happy with, uh, with the dog winning outright because all of the money came in on New England in this game. This line opened up uh, early in the week at five and a half. There even were a couple road sixes around town. And when it closed at three and a half yesterday, everybody was betting New England like they knew the final score, so to speak. And again, it's, you know, New England's been hanging around with a lot of teams. That defense has played solid. And you're correct that, you know, Tom, you know, when you get Bill Belichick facing a young quarterback, now this is a second year quarterback it's also a quarterback that had two weeks to prepare for this game so you got to put some of this on the coach you know your game plan you had two weeks to prepare and you didn't have anything <laughs> you know they, they stopped you on all fronts uh i got a question there and i think that the guy that had the carryover effect is the coach here because if you remember that baltimore game you know he played the analytics card that whole game you know, when it was, you know, fourth and twos, not 
not looking at where you're at on the field, <laughs> but you're doing the analytics chart where the new math guys say you go for it. Um, that backfired big time on him, and it put his team in a bad spot in that you think snowballed in Baltimore looked like a carryover effect this week that this team uh, just didn't respond well and that's the problem when you you do things uh, against the norm uh, you look good and look like a genius when it works but man does it look bad whenever it doesn't and it blows up in your face yep definitely all right Marco D'Angelo joins us from wagertalk.com Marco, Marco joined us on Friday at the Cosmopolitan and now we're talking about uh, recapping what took place yesterday and a look at head to tonight's game uh monday night football uh before we move on to that though uh marco just you know getting caught up in some nfl news we talked about derrick henry uh getting injured in that game uh, against the colts yesterday and you know henry the leading ball carrier for in the nfl at 937 yards 10 touchdown passes uh henry wasn't having a great game yesterday but he got banged up early on in the first quarter there had 28 carries 68 yards and now uh, Tennessee, they were lucky to win that game the way they came back, and we talked about it, you know, thanks to Carson Wentz. But now they've got this void at running back. They went and signed Adrian Peterson today, and a lot of people are going, "What the heck are they doing?" Peterson, thirty-six years old. Peterson did play last year about half of a season, and I think a lot of people fail to realize that he was with the lowly Lions, but he still gained over six hundred yards. So I don't know, you know, you know how much. He's going to play into this uh, factor here, what Peterson has left in the tank. But uh, what do you make of this move? It's a desperation move for sure. Uh, It's just a stopgap. And like I said, if they can get X number of carries a game from him and, you know, and Adrian Peterson, you know, can be, you know, a guy that, you know, you can catch a ball out of the backfield as well. Uh, he's, you know, reliable. Um, is he durable? Like, he's not going to be the workhorse that Derrick Henry was, that's for sure. But if he can give you, you know, 15 to 20 carries uh, during the game, uh, that's going to be a big plus. It's going to take some of the pressure off Ryan Daniel and, the fact is, like I said, you've got a four-game cushion. This is not a team that was going to vie for home field advantage, okay? Uh, their defense is too bad. They're going to lose some games. But just get to the playoffs and try to get there healthy um, and see what you can do there. I think it'll, it'll work for them for the short term. It's not a long-term uh, answer. Vaughn Miller going to be traded to the Rams here. This thing just getting finalized, and uh, that's a shocker to a lot of people where the Rams, you know, the the rich just get richer here now. Uh, Denver is going to pay $9 million of his remaining $9.7 million of his uh, deal. But uh, Vaughn Miller, his time in Denver done, and Denver played pretty well yesterday, and this is a team that's kind of hanging around there in the AFC West. Why would you give up on your best player uh, so early here, Marco? Yeah, I'm not sure in the contract status. Was this the final year of his current contract, or did he have one more year on it? I believe this was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the that's the real reason because they you know they they weren't going to be able to re-sign him in my opinion and. You know, whatever you can do, uh, whatever you can get now instead of getting nothing, uh, is probably the, the ticket that they were going for. But I agree with you. Uh, this is a team that because Kansas City has fallen so far down and now you saw the Chargers take a step back the last two weeks, we saw the Raiders win two in a row, but you know, you can't really be confident in the Raiders running away with the division. Uh, it is a division that's wide open. And, yeah, I wouldn't have thrown in the towel because now, you know, if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't stay healthy, um, you know, and you give up your best defensive player, that was uh, – I, I don't understand the move as far as what message it sends to the team. I understand the move from a business standpoint, but for your team, it's like you just waved the white flag. Yeah, I mean, you know, Miller had he, you know, played out this season in Denver, left as a free agent at the end of the season, the Broncos wouldn't have received a compensatory pick before the end of the fifth round because he has at least ten cured seasons. So yeah. uh, instead, the Broncos are, you know, get a second and third from the Rams. But uh, now you look at this Rams defense and it's already pretty strong. And now you add Von Miller in a team that uh, continues to roll with uh, Matt Stafford as the quarterback. 
Yeah, the Rams, uh, you know, on paper are living up to the billing. They've only had the one bad game, and that was after the big win over Tampa. Uh, Matthew Stafford, everybody felt all they were missing was, you know, a legitimate quarterback. You know, Jared Goff got a lot of grief there over the years, and now you put Matthew Stafford all those years with the lowly Lions, and he finally gets a good team. Uh, it's a great story for him, and, you know, them in Arizona, it's going to be fun to watch that battle the rest of the season uh, in in the NFC West, uh, you know, two very good teams. And Arizona, you know, lost a tough one on Thursday night. But, you know, that was a game I don't say Green Bay won. I say Arizona lost mm-hmm. <laughs> when I looked at that game. Uh, watching that game, Arizona, you know, inflicted the loss on themselves with those three turnovers, especially the last one uh, in the end zone at the end of the game. All right. All right, tonight, Monday Night Football, the Giants travel to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. And, uh, Marco, if I told you one of these teams was 3-4, and four, you wouldn't be thinking it was the Kansas City Chiefs, but it is. I mean, the Giants are actually worse at 2-5, and five, but this Kansas City Chiefs team here is it is a mess. And I know that there are a lot of people out there that think, like, okay, the Chiefs are going to turn this around. And, yes, I'm one of these guys that think the Chiefs can turn this around tonight, but in the bigger scheme of things, I'm not sure how good this team can be moving forward here. I think they have enough to get by the Giants, and they've got to snap out of this. But Patrick Mahomes was downright awful last week, and you are playing the Giants. But how concerned are you if you're a Chiefs fan right now? Oh, you're big-time concerned with the Chiefs fans because we know the defense is bad. Uh, that's no, no secret. We've known that for several years. But the offense has always you know, covered it up. Right now, the offense is not working. It's 17 turnovers, 10 in the last three games. And it's not just interceptions. What's really alarming, and it's one of those stats that you, you, know, you can't quantify because when the ball hits the ground, when you cause a fumble, there's a 50-50 chance of you know, who's going to fall on it. And they're losing all these fumbles that Patrick Mahomes is having. It seems like the minute he's getting hit, he's coughing it up. I don't know, you know if he's still trying to make plays uh, in carrying the ball loose, but whatever it is, you can't have 17 turnovers. But for this one game tonight, and I'm going to quote the exact same analysis I did in their only two point spread covers this year, and that was against Philadelphia, and that was against Washington. <laughs> they're going to give up points. The difference is going to be because of the offense they're facing. Kansas City is going to score touchdowns where some of the drives, the Giants will settle for field goals. And as you start to trade touchdown for field goals, you're going to start to build a little bit of separation. And once it becomes a two-score separation, then Daniel Jones, just like uh, Heineke had to for Washington and uh, Jalen Hurts for Philadelphia has to do too much trying to move the football down the field through the air. That's when they have turnovers. I don't think Daniel Jones is a quarterback that can go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. I think they get the game one, and you're looking at uh, you know, the Chiefs. They're still number eight in scoring. The Giants are 23rd in scoring. That's the difference in this game. I'm going to go ahead. You know, I didn't make it an official play. I will say my survivor pick is Kansas City. Uh, I used them this week because I felt this was the best spot to get them off my list uh, in a survivor pool. But uh, I think they end up winning this game by 14. I got it 34 to 20. Yeah, and uh, that's a very sim- this tonight's game plays out. You're hoping that it plays out. Uh, very similar to uh, previous games this year where the Chiefs were coming off a loss. You go back to when they lost on September the 26th against the Chargers. They bounced back against an Eagles team, not very good, and they beat them by 12, 42-30. And then you mentioned the game earlier when they come off that Buffalo loss. uh, They came back and they spanked uh, Washington 31-13, to even though they didn't play that well in the first half, but then they turned it up in the second half. This is a similar situation because you're facing a team like like these teams that they they came back and beat, and the Giants, exact same thing. Oh, by the way, they're all NFC least teams or NFC East teams, too, <laughs> as well, too. So really, if you like Kansas City, this is really a good spot that I feel, and I think you and I are on the same page with this. This has to be and should be a double-digit victory for KC tonight. It is. 
is. And uh, I talk about it a lot. I've, I've mentioned it on your show before. The least important game for a football NFL football team is a road non-conference game for tiebreakers and so forth for playoffs. The New York Giants, the last two-plus seasons, in non-conference games, they're just 1-8 against the spread. Great stuff. All right, he is Marco D'Angelo. Marco, you can find his selections and everything at wagertalk.com. And, of course, uh, he participates with us on the best bets uh, as well on Fridays at the Cosmopolitan. Marco, appreciate the time as always, and we look forward to seeing you on Friday at the Cosmo. No problem. Take care, TC. Enjoy the game. You got it, buddy. You too. All right, Marco D'Angelo. When we come back, KT, Ken Thompson is going to join us, and we talk about a little college football that transpired on Saturday. That and a whole lot more coming your way on this magnificent Monday. Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, TC Martin. Don't forget, come out and join us Friday at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, our Friday home, and take advantage of the free $50 in your William Hill account. That's right. Use the promo code TC50. Use that, and then boom. You like it? I use the boom again. $53 in your account using the promo code TC50. Open a brand new account. Deposit at least $50. They will match it with an additional $50. There you go. Free money to play with. Free money. Are we gonna, am I going to have some free money Wednesday night around, let's see, about 9 o'clock Pacific time? My Astros future ticket. I don't know, that's me and his money. I don't know. I'm sweating bullets. That's what I'm doing here. Oh, yes. Not just for that, for my, my boy Dusty Baker and everything else. Yes. Astros and Braves, game number six, coming your way tomorrow night. Look forward to that. And the Braves, one win away from securing... Their first title in 20-plus years. Well, 30 years. What are we talking about there? And the Astros, their first since 2017. All right. Uh, let's talk a little uh, football. And our good friend Ken Thompson, you can find him, SportsX Radio, down the dial, Monday through Friday night from uh, 8 to 10 p.m. He's uh, doing his thing. Uh, always love talking uh, to KT. And I know he's usually on when uh, my fill-ins are going to the bullpen and calling him in, whether it's Sea win or Ballpark Frank or, or my crew here. So I had to get KT on because I appear on his show. He's got to appear on mine. So there we go. KT, what's up, brother? TC Martin, always a pleasure, my brother. I was rooting for you over there in Houston, and uh, they showed a lot of character with that win against Atlanta last night, down 4 nothing out of the gate, and uh, very impressed with the bats they got rolling. I think they got a good chance to cash your ticket still. Yeah, I think I think so too. And again, you know, the Houston Astros will be the Houston Astros when these bats are alive. And again, that's that's nothing new. It's what we're accustomed to seeing. You know, this team that's averaging you know six runs a game during the postseason. They've scored eighty-seven runs overall in the postseason, and they've scored five or more eleven times in the playoffs. So yeah, this team uh, you know is getting the job done, Ken. And I know like a lot of uh, people are always talking about the pitching here. The pitching's out the window for this series. It's out the window. It's all about the bats right now. And, you know, when you're getting the production that both teams they are getting on the offensive side here, uh, you, you can say what you want about, you know, mix matching and your bullpen games and bringing these relievers in and this and that. The bottom line is at the end of the series, we're going to be talking about the offensive fireworks from the team that ends up uh, winning. I can't argue with you. Yeah, you look at uh, getting down 4 nothing out of the gate, probably a blessing in disguise for the Astros to where they just roll up their sleeves and go, guys, we need to win a slugfest tonight. You know, they had that hitting mentality. Once they fell in the hole 4 nothing, they knew what they needed to do. And for them to come back rather quickly to get it even at 4, then down 5-4, go up 7-5, I just thought showed a lot of character there and also flexed their muscles as far as this series isn't over. We're going back to H-Town, and they got a great, t- great chance now to win the whole thing. All right, I'll be checking it out uh, tomorrow night. All right, KT, I know how much you love college football, and uh, you're all over the gridiron there. Let's talk about some college football that uh, took place uh, on Saturday, and we previewed a lot of these games last week. And then um, let, let's, let's recap. And, and one of the games that I talked about last week is Iowa-Wisconsin, and the game scared the heck out of me because I looked at both these teams, and I'd say they're both disappointing. Both had high expectations, especially Iowa earlier on the season. But ever since that loss to Purdue, I mean, the Hawkeyes 
have, have downright stunk, especially offensively. And sure enough, they went into Madison and could not get the job done. And uh, the, the Badgers clearly look like the better team in this game on Saturday. I don't know what to make of Iowa from this point on, my friend. Well, here's the thing with the Badgers. I mean, you look at their schedule, and we saw the games. The game against Penn State, they get the three turnovers. They dominate possession. They dominate yardage. Same thing with Notre Dame. They're right there, fourth quarter. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. So, you know, they've got some L's there that, you know, they shouldn't have, quite frankly. But the way Graham Mertz has not thrown the ball productively throughout the season has been a problem. So what do they do? Take it out of his hand, bring in, you know, Malusi's pretty good, and then you bring in this kid Braylon Allen now. So now you have a one-two uh, punch there out of the backfield, and then just let Mertz kind of game manage because the defense under Leonard is playing outstanding ball, and so they dominated Iowa. When I looked up and it was 205 yards to five, I think it was, it was just letting me know Wisconsin's dominating that line of scrimmage, and although they sit five and three, people know this is a team that's much better than that, and I look for them to kind of keep rolling throughout the rest of the season. And this goes to show you, we know the quarterback play is the almighty, but the, the, the Iowa quarterback situation and, and offensively is just downright dreadful, and they were able to mirror that a, a lot you know, early on in the season, and a team that was definitely uh, overvalued. I mean, when you get that type of play you know, out of your quarterback position, uh, you're, you're not going to do anything. And that's what I'm fearful with Wisconsin, too, because we've seen Mertz you know, have these games you know, where he'll, he'll be up, he'll be down, but for the most part, he's, he's been down. And again, he didn't do anything to lose this game against a good, sound Iowa defense. So, you know, going forward, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Wisconsin is another team that you can, you can probably go against, even though their defense is really rising to the occasion. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go against that D. I mean, yeah. you know, you look at the teams that got left on their schedule. I think Wisconsin's going to win their share of games down the stretch. I'll be surprised. You know, there's not too many teams, I think, that can knock them off. You know, I'd like to see him get a shot at, you know, going against the East opponent. But, I mean, let's talk about C-Win Spartans, man. What an incredible game. PC, that's the best football game I've seen in a few years, man. I mean, all the way around. Of course, I had Michigan State, you know, made some money, so that made it a little better. But at the end of the day, when they get down 16 points, come back and tie that thing up and then hold Michigan to a field goal, you kind of felt, you know what? This team's got an opportunity to win this game. And Kenneth Walker, man, if he, is, it's, uh, if he doesn't solidify the Heisman with the incredible game, nearly 200 yards and five freaking touchdowns, absolutely incredible. I do give McNamara a lot of credit, though, too. He was poised and, and uh, kept Michigan in there. But Sparty came through when they needed to. And, again, one of the best games I've seen in a few years. I'm glad that State won it. Yeah, me too. And that it was a fantastic game uh, to watch and to see the home crowd be electric. And like you said, you know, down 16, and for them to rally the way they did, uh, it just says a, says a lot, especially in a rivalry game. And again, you know, Michigan State, the reason why I like Michigan State, I like the way they played Michigan last year, and they beat them in the big house. Granted, there were no fans there, but uh, Kenneth Walker, a transfer from Wake Forest. I mean, this kid has been fantastic since he came over, and uh, just, just, just great. And they're actually getting good production out of the quarterback play, too. But you talk about Michigan. I mean, this team rolled up five. 152 yards in a losing effort. You talk about Cade McNamara, 406 yards through the air. It was a great football game, but you know when you look at, at the, the result of this game, Ken, you have to ask yourself, what's the future here again of Jim Harbaugh not being able to beat Ohio State, and now two years in a row we can't beat Michigan State. I mean, this, both teams were 7-0 and coming into this game, and that's why Michigan was a favorite. I think a lot of people thought that the Wolverines were the better team. They had the, the deeper talent, and uh, they choked this game away. Well, you blow a 16-point lead. I don't care if you're on the road or not. I mean, a lot of that is going to go on uh, Harbaugh's shoulders. I agree. I mean, you have that 9-point lead, like you said, extended to 16, and uh, pretty much all you need is one play. You need to get that ball back up 16, but Sparty showed a lot of character, not only getting the touchdown, but then key to get that first two-point conversion to bring you within one score within eight points, you've kind of felt after they got that next touchdown that they were going to get that two and tie things up, which they did. And uh, then just a great barn burner down the stretch to, uh, you know, a 37-33 game and a game of that magnitude. A lot of fun to watch. All right. Uh, Georgia Bulldogs, they continue to roll over Florida. They keep putting their pedal to the metal here. And uh, I don't know if anybody can stop Georgia as uh, we look ahead, you know, to the schedule. And uh, what are your thoughts uh, about the Bulldogs? Is are, are they the the Alabama that we've seen the the, the past couple of years? 
You know, sometimes you want to say that, but let's look back at that game. I mean, it's sitting at 3 nothing with just a couple yeah. minutes to go in the first half, and then everything that could go wrong for Florida went wrong. So, yeah, 24 nothing lead. You're not going to come back against Georgia with that defense. You put yourself in the hole like that. And Richardson telegraphed too many passes. Kids got potential, but, you know, just uh, too many mistakes. Can't do it against that Georgia defense. They're good. Their offense sputters at times, and I don't don't I don't know if Stetson Bennett's a guy that can beat a team like Alabama. I really think they're going to need JT Daniels to air that ball out consistently, stretch the field. Otherwise, Bama's going to be bringing their eight guys up and uh, put some pressure on Stetson Bennett and force him to beat him. And I don't think he'll be able to beat him, uh, beat Alabama. But I do think if JT Daniels is there, then I give Georgia. Uh, a great chance to not only beat Bama, but win the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, George is going to be a huge favorite in their four remaining games here until you get to the uh, SEC championship game. they got Missouri, Tennessee, Charleston Southern, and then uh, Georgia Tech uh, to close their their regular season. So, yeah, uh, they're going to be undefeated, no doubt about it, and uh, wait for, for Alabama. I can hardly wait for that game, but uh, Alabama definitely still has some concerns too. Or do you feel that you know Alabama wants – they roll around here and they get to the SEC title game that they'll get some of these defensive, uh, you know, quirks, uh, you know, fixed over there. Well, here's the thing, too. I mean, remember Georgia at Tennessee. Heupel's got a squad, man. Hendon Hooker's a hell of a player. If he's healthy, 100%, Tennessee can put up points. Again, college atmosphere, you just never know. You just don't know. And if you're going to give me, in other words, if JT Daniels isn't ready to go into Knoxville, I give Tennessee a fighting chance. Definitely to cover whatever the number is, but also hang in there. That's a big rivalry as well. As far as Bama, you know, the LSU game, that should be a cakewalk because LSU is so depleted. New Mexico State, nothing. Arkansas will hang in there for a little bit. But then at Auburn, the Iron Bowl is at Auburn. So this Auburn team's got a big game this week. If they can take care of business, hey, Bo Nix is playing better than people thought. That running game's got a good one-two punch. I don't know. Auburn could be alive in that Iron Bowl, and how cool would that to see Bama suffer two losses, not even get to that title game against Georgia? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Auburn has uh, surprised the last few weeks. Uh, They are playing better football. Got another big win this past week as well, too. And we know that Auburn, they're sound defensively as well, too. So you're right. Alabama can't look past anybody, especially the Iron Bowl. And, you know, every time we talk about the Iron Bowl, we talk about the game at Auburn. I still have the, uh, the, the 106 yard uh, kickoff return, uh, fresh in my, or rather the, uh, uh, on the, the field goal that ended up short. And, uh, in that place, Jordan Hare Stadium just, uh, bouncing around going crazy. I still cannot get that out of my head, even though it seems like a decade ago. Yeah, and that's the thing for Texas A&M fans. They're hoping, look, if we take care of Auburn like we did Bama in College Station, sure, then we'll turn our hats on and root for Auburn against Bama because if those three end up in a tie, Texas A&M would have the head-to-head over Auburn and Bama, and they would represent the West as far as the SEC. So Auburn's definitely a player, but Texas A&M needs to take care of business this weekend off a bye at College Station against Bo Nix and Auburn. All right, Ken Thompson joins us, Sports X Radio, talk a little college football. Ken, what are your thoughts about the Cincinnati Bearcats? They, again, you know, underperformed in a victory against Tulane last weekend, and we've seen that. Really, only quality win they had is, is against Notre Dame, but this is a top-four team in the country, but it doesn't really excite you at all, especially considering the conference they're in, and they're not winning impressively. No, that's true, and, uh, you know, I mean, it hurts them that SMU loses that tough game to Houston, uh, although Cincinnati could still face Houston in the AAC championship game because they don't play during the regular season. But you're right, Cincinnati's looked less than impressive. I mean, Des Ritter's a good quarterback, solid quarterback. Uh, running game is okay with Ford. Defense is what they hang their hat on. Luke Fickle, of course, great defense coordinator for Ohio State. And, you know, I think maybe the uh, the next head coach out there for Southern Cal, but I don't know. This offense has just not looked good against Navy. Maybe you understand you give them a mulligan because you're going up against the option, so your defense is taxed a little bit. But against Tulane, I know it's a Tulane team that played Oklahoma tough in that opener, but at the end of the day, Cincinnati should be rolling. They do win 31-12, so got to give them a little bit of credit because they did shut out the Green Wave in the second half, 17 nothing. So we'll wait, but their last three, you know, last four games, Tulsa at South Florida, then you get SMU, and then at East Carolina, which could be a tricky one 
right there because Holden Naylor is pretty good there for the Pirates. You know, there is another undefeated team that no one is talking about. And if you watch this team, and granted, they they really haven't played uh, a stellar schedule at all, but they're just playing the teams in front of them. And that's Wake Forest over in the ACC. This team is 8-0. And this is a good offensive football team. Uh, Your thoughts about the Demon Deacons? Yeah, I like Sam Hartman. He's a solid quarterback. He takes care of the football, doesn't get sacked much, uh, has some good solid receivers. Perry's a real good one, had over 100 yards against Duke in the route 45-7. This will be a tough game, though, against North Carolina. They're on the road, and as tough a year as it's been for Carolina, and they come off the hard-fought game against Notre Dame and South Bend, so that could be a little bit taxing. But they go home, they're sitting 4-4, four and four, and Matt Brown will motivate those guys and say, look, this is it. I mean, you can salvage your season by coming out big and beating Wake Forest, an undefeated 8-0 Wake Forest team. Otherwise, Wake Forest still has an outside shot to get to that playoff because they are the only unbeaten. They're the only opportunity that the uh, ACC has to get a representative. And the thing about it is the toughest part of their schedule is still to come. You mentioned at North Carolina. Then they got to play NC State, and they're solid themselves, even though they'll get that game at Wake. But then they got to go to Clemson, tough place to play, even though we know the Tigers are, are not the same Tigers. They showed a little life this past week. And then they got to close at Boston College. So three potentially tough games for the Demon Deacons. Yeah, no doubt. Actually, yeah, all four could be tough. I mean, BC's down a little bit after losing uh, Jerkovic, their quarterback. But, yeah, no doubt. uh, These are four tough games. But you know what? Clawson's one hell of a coach and underrated in his eighth year. This guy, you know, always seems to have his teams prepared. And Hartman's a lot better than we thought. Everybody kind of looked at the other Sam, Sam Howell from North Carolina, as being that Heisman guy. But Sam Hartman has kind of elevated himself into that, uh, you know, mix there of maybe the top seven or eight guys. Ken, we talked earlier on in the season whether the UNLV runner Rebels, I shouldn't say running, the UNLV Rebels, the winless Rebels, would win a game all season long, and the under-over was one and a half. Uh, looks like they're still they're trending towards the under here. Uh, disappointing again last week, even though uh, I guess they got within the number, I guess. Uh, did they get within the number against Nevada? No. Yeah, they did. No. That was 32. Somebody told me they got within. They did not because the number was 20, right? And then, uh, right. they, they, yeah. yeah, yeah. So of course they didn't. But again, you know, some some underperforming uh, in you know, against Utah State and San Jose State didn't figure they'd have much of a shot going up to Reno this past week. And now they got to travel to New Mexico. We got a short line here. Uh, both programs uh, horrendous. But it, it's sad to say that the Lobos may be in better shape than the Rebels right now. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, this is a game where you're going to Nevada. You gotta you gotta come to play. I mean, you. I don't know. They played, you're right. They played San Jose State tough, lose a game that they probably could have won. And same with Utah State, had second half leads in both those games, come up short. And they played a pretty decent game in San Antonio against an undefeated Roadrunners team as well. So, yeah, this is their, this may be their last shot there at New Mexico. Danny Gonzalez having a tough year there with the Lobos. Uh, again, short number. I hope UNLV can get it done, but they were miserable against Reno, and you got to come to play, man. I mean, these guys just didn't come to play, and it's been tough because Friel's been getting baptized by fire there at the quarterback position. Uh, but Coach Royal, man, got to have the team better prepared, I think, for a Fremont Cannon game. I just didn't feel it at all, and it's a Friday night standalone game, a chance to kind of say, hey, look, five of our losses were by one score or less. Let's, uh, you know, let's see if we can't hang in here. And their last win was all the way back in 2019 against Reno up there. So, you know, they, they, they gave it a go, but just very disappointing in the effort. All right, let's look ahead real quick. Uh, Ken, NFL tonight, who do you got? You got the Chiefs or you got the Giants? Well, you know what? I teased the Chiefs, and I got them down to a field goal, so yeah. I'll rely on that. The line up to 10.5 now with the G-men, so I hedge back a little bit, take the Giants just because Kansas City's been – just uh, you know, a team that you can't trust as far as against the spread. So uh, they know that they need a W right now. If you told me that Kansas City and Cleveland would be all alone in last place in their respective divisions, you know, week eight, I would have laughed. There's no way, but we see how Cincinnati's played. Although they get burned last night, so you know, there's a there's a lot to like about Kansas City on paper. They got to get it done tonight. I think they'll come out and they, the crowd understands what's what's at stake. Not only is this a game that can get them back to four and four, but it can also bring them within you know a game a game of first play, game and a half of first place because the Raiders sit at five and two. 
but they know next week they also have Green Bay coming in, so they better get this one, KC. Otherwise, they're really going to be reeling. Yeah, no doubt. And again, uh, tonight's a spot uh, coming off a similar situation where they come off losses and then they face uh, NFC East teams where they've won and covered uh, previously against the Eagles and uh, Washington and uh, look for Kansas City to do that tonight. Uh, at least we hope so, or at least we think so. Uh, and hopefully this offense can get uh, untracked if you're back in the Chiefs tonight. Finally, uh, Ken's a big Raiders guy, and the Raiders are going to go on the road, a slight favorite next week against uh, the Giants. Uh, quick thoughts on the Raiders coming off the bye. Well, they won't have to have that uh, West Coast to East Coast excuse because you are coming <laughs> off a bye, so there shouldn't be an excuse there. Look, they need to take care of business. We'll get the Giants off a short week with the game tonight in Kansas City. So, again, no excuses. Want to come out of the gate, keep things rolling. The two wins under Bisaccia are great, but they're at Denver and home against Philly. Those are two games that you probably should win if you're going to be a postseason team. Same thing. You're going to be a postseason team. This Giants team is okay, but they're not that great. But they do get healthier over uh, this week and next week, so they could be seeing the Giants with most of their skill position players back. But I think the Raiders not only win, they cover the three. I think they win by seven to ten points next week at Giants. There he is, Ken Thompson, SportsX Radio. You can catch him 8 to 10 p.m. right down the dial. Um, fantastic job. Been in this town doing it a long, long time. Always appreciate you, brother. And, uh, you know, great insight on just about everything. So uh, appreciate you, man. Let's, uh, let's do this again. You got it, TC. Mutual respect, man. You're great at what you do, and glad to know that the doctor's in. There you go, brother. Appreciate you. There he is. KT, Ken Thompson, SportsX Radio. Check him over uh, on KDON, uh, right down the dial on the AM dial at uh, 720, and then also on the FM dial as well, too. Uh, you can catch him 8 to 10 p.m. Uh, breaking it down. Doesn't matter what sports. Uh, this is what we do, right? We're seasonal. We talk about it all right here. All right, uh, I want to thank Chris Bazio for joining us, talking a little Major League Baseball World Series, getting ready for Game 6 and potentially a Game 7 coming up on Wednesday. Marco D'Angelo from Wager Talk, uh, breaking down the NFL and taking a look at tonight's game between the Chiefs and the Giants, and also Ken Thompson. Well, appreciate all our guests. Tomorrow, it's a terrible Tuesday. Yes, I will be here. Uh, it's been a while since I've uh, been around for a terrible Tuesday, so we reconvene tomorrow at 2 o'clock. T.J. Reeves joins us tomorrow. Yes. And somebody's going to be giving it to him. That's right. Best bet of the week was the Saints against his Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was on the scene calling it there in Tampa, or actually in uh, New Orleans. Yeah, we'll have some fun with that tomorrow. So uh, tune in with that tomorrow, plus a whole lot more. Steve Sachs will join us, talking World Series. It's fight week here in Vegas. All of our great boxing guests coming up as well, too. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com.